0: Welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 276. The Drabblecast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Week three of Women and Aliens Month here. Let's start things off with a Drabble. Drabble. This week's 100-word story is A Few Errands by Drabblecast Submissions Editor and Drabble Master Nathan Lee, Read his vast plethora of 100-word stories at his website, mirrorshards.org. Vizin paused upon entering the store. He wasn't used to the full-body tactile sensations yet, although he was more or less a master of bipedal locomotion and a tolerably confident user of opposable thumbs. Vizin consulted his list. Pick up groceries. He glanced around. The array of shelves was dizzying in sheer number. He began to feel nervous. Then he read farther. Eggs. Milk. Bread. Vizen relaxed and smiled. He navigated to the dairy section, pondered his choices, and hefted one carton briefly before replacing it. This human thing is gonna be a cinch, Vizen said beginning his search for eggs. And for our feature story this week, we bring you Hullabaloo by Diane Turnshek. Diane teaches physics and astronomy at Carnegie Mellon University. In 2012, she spent two weeks at the Mars Desert Research Station in Utah, researching living in a Martian colony. So if anyone's equipped to write about aliens, it's probably her. She's the founder of Alpha, the science fiction and fantasy workshop for young writers, and she's a contributing author to the 2011 award-winning writing book, Many Genres, One Craft. The story first appeared in Analog, July 2009. The story's read to you by Marguerite Kenner, editor and voice behind Cast of Wonders, a young adult fiction podcast that you've got to go try out if you aren't listening already. Really good stories in the young adult genre, always read and produced really well. They're at castofwonders.org. So without further ado, we bring you Hullabaloo by Diane Turnshek.
1: The town council meeting was split down the middle. Hullabaloo colonists on one side and Fenella Tyne on the other. Jerem stood in the back and admired the way Fenella strove to convince the tired farmers. Pacing around the podium, she brought to bear the power of unmatched intelligence, impeccable honesty, and polished verbal skills. In the discordant discussion that followed, Jerem studied her serious face. She was magnificent, but hopelessness coursed through him. She didn't have a chance of winning over anyone to her side, and he did not have a chance of winning her. A red strobe light cut through the hall. Immediately the crowd silenced. From his position at the back of the dome, Jerem unsealed the soundproof hatch, giving entry to the very last of the colonists to arrive, workers and their families from Loose Lips Ridge. He purposefully left the door open wide while the stragglers quietly found their seats and removed their earplugs. It was the least he could do for Fenella. The loud, random outbursts they heard through the doorway were on her side. Hey, Joe, give me a hand with this. Oh, shit. What was that noise? Why are you doing this? But, Mom. Be careful, Jerem. Look at those little creatures. Oh, shit. What was that noise? Show yourselves. Who are you? Be careful, Jerem. Patches of brilliant blue, green, and gold fur decorated a small animal that crept up to the door as if to spy on the meeting. Jerem ignored it. As uncomfortable as he was in the spotlight, he hesitated until all eyes in the room were on him. Then, moving with studied precision, he forced the hatch closed, sealed it, and redraped the soundproofing patch. Then he faced Fenella, transferring all the attention he had garnered to her. Fenella stared hard at the colonist before speaking again. Do you want to listen to that every day of your lives? I dare you to try it tomorrow. The noise level of the mimers has increased in the months we've been here, with no sign of forgetfulness on their part. Fenella punctuated her points with finger-stabs at the household leaders. Even with the shush laws, at the rate that they're picking up our occasional dropped word, this glorious planet will soon become a cacophony of copied voices, unable to support a sane, intelligent hearing population. Avoidance of speech is not the way we must act.' Jerem had to break up several fights during the discussion that followed. Weary muscles made for frayed tempers. Show yourselves, Blazon and Achoo! Tinelli were booed when they tried to speak. People were simply sick of hearing sounds from their mouths. The speakers in the parade that followed each had their own reasons for ignoring the mimer problem. There are too few of us left. Where are we supposed to find the time and energy for research? They're too beautiful to hurt, and you can't study them without disturbing their lives. Let's deal with issues important to the success of the colony first. The voices were different, but to Jerem they all translated to, No, Fenella. As point after point went against her, Fenella's beautiful face set into a stubborn frown. It was Jerome's duty to sum up the meeting, even though he didn't want to. His elevated status as the quietest one among them gave him power he hadn't sought and didn't feel comfortable exercising. Beyond that, speaking around Fenella always made him tongue-tied. I caution you to have patience, Fenella. His midsection nodded up with tension. We appreciate your willingness to bring up this issue. He balked, and Fenella grabbed the chance to interrupt. I can't live like this, she said. Her breathing sounded labored. I've told you all I've learned about the Mimers, which isn't much, but how can you not want to learn more? You're all living in a dream world. Her voice cracked with emotion. Patience, Jerem. Patience? The Mimers are an unfortunate aspect of this planet. Jerem looked down, then around at the dome, anywhere but Fenella's face. We will deal with them in our own time. Shushla's stand. Meeting adjourned. Jerem found himself being hustled by the crowd to Fenella's side. A precious moment of intense eye contact was terminated abruptly as she slammed the strobe light button. His love for her was unspoken again. Jerem caught the glaring looks as people were forced to truncate their sentences in the middle, but Fenella didn't seem to care. She yanked the hatch open and strode stiff-backed into the night. The next day, Jerem decided to take Fenella's challenge and work without earplugs. The mimers' jewel-colored fleece stood out cleanly in the scrub forest surrounding his fields. They held their tails high, the resplendent plumes and trailing feather puffs bouncing as they swung in the branches. The dazzling streaks of blue and gold were radiant against the tangled gray hullabaloo vegetation. Jerem, like everyone else, instinctively reacted to them as animals of value, just on the basis of their looks. Their voices mocked him as he primed pumps, sluiced fields, and hauled terra-egg bales. The racket followed him from job to job, never letting up, never letting him think. The clamor of the colonists' initial reaction and their unthinking, spoken understanding paced crop row with him. Sigma Draconis was high overhead when Jerem took his first break, a sit-down job mending UV-flux damaged panels. One mimer scampered down and perched almost within reach. Jerem's nose itched. He breathed in deeply, trying to catch the mimer's scent. Nothing. The damp, rich, terra modded soil and his own sweat came back to him. But from the mimer, nothing. Its luminous eyes tracked his every move. Be careful, Jerem," his mother's voice said. That one always got to him. Who are you? It said. Who indeed, he wondered. Just a guy trying to do his job. When the mimer mimicked Roxy's involuntary orgasmic outbursts, he hurled a stone near it, scaring it away. But the echoes around him were merciless. He threw down his tools, stomped to his flyer, and let the gathering wind drown out the piping din. The homesteads were set up in pie-shaped wedges, the farmhouses close to the center. Jerem passed, oh shit, clearing, and veered left at, but mom, Noel, Planetary landfall had been a shoddy, disastrous affair, with a contingent of scientists bearing the greatest losses. The number of colonists that had survived was miraculous thanks to the thick, springy vegetation they had crash-landed onto. The farmlands, the only portion of the planet that had yet been explored, lay near the center of the large southern continent. The same dense, fast-growing brush that had saved them was now damning them to farming hill. Even with his slow, short-hop flyer, it didn't take him long to reach his cabin. He had hoped that one day it would not be his cabin alone. He had thought of Fenella with every beam he had put in place. Fenella was waiting for him outside his front door. Surprise almost made him blurt out her name, even with all the months of practice. When it had come to breaking the shush laws, there was no doubt who had committed the crime. Mimer betrayal of the transgressor was instantaneous, and the evidence was conveyed like spreading ripples in a pond. Vanilla had clocked the transferral speed at nearly 80 kilometers an hour. In the bright sunlight of his porch, her loose, draped garment of sheer pastel rose didn't hide any of her body's features. Her nearness made his breath catch. Desire rose up in him. It wasn't the first time in her presence he was glad he wasn't allowed to speak. What would he say? signing for her to come inside was easier than words would have been she refused they stood on the porch looking at each other jerem signed a question mark in the air between them she looked determined and pointed at her sleek black flyer parked by his door extending her hands out in front of her she swiftly closed them to fists jerem recognized the sign for leaving but leaving what Unlike the youngest members of the colony, his sign language ability was slow to grow. He gently took her arm and guided her into his cabin. She chose to stand in the center of the kitchen. Facing him squarely, she said, "'You caution me to patience, yet I have none left to give. You offer me no hope of a better future.' She rubbed her arms with calloused hands, tears forming in the corners of her eyes. "'I can't bear it any longer, Jerem.' He ached to take her into his arms. But how could he if he didn't agree with her? He tried instead to keep her talking, hoping that somewhere in their conversation they would find common ground. I thought I came to terms with the voice of my my mother months ago. But today, hearing her so clearly without the plugs, it was hard to take. She gave him a sad smile. You went without earplugs? I'm so sorry, Jerem. I miss her too. But think of this. "'What if the Mimers are sentient beings? "'What if they advocate using nonviolent means to drive invaders from their homeland? "'We have so little data to go by. "'Do they tell you to be careful, Jerem, more than they tell that to the rest of us?' "'She paced up and down the constricted space. "'I could catalog plant types into the millions. "'Why are there so few other animals? "'I'm sure the Mimers don't annoy them all to death.' Is the mimer's ability used to confuse predators? Or or maybe that's how they lure prey into their midst. I need to understand. And you will. The others will come around. Soon. You'll see. Jerem began to pace alongside her. Just let us get the crops harvested and the ruster problem dealt with. No! I'm not waiting. Don't you see what I'm really up against? It's fear! Ignorance! The colonists don't want to know what's going on. "'That's why I'm forbidden to make sense of this new world. "'And you, Jerem, you're as stubborn as the rest of them. "'How long would I have to wait until you came around?' "'Her challenge hung in the air between them. "'I'm leaving,' she said with finality. "'Jerem froze, his mind in turmoil. "'Leaving?' he echoed, unmindful of his social faux pas. "'Through her words, the very alienness of the planet reached him. "'She was right.' As long as they all pretended the mimers were just an annoyance, a small price they had to pay to live here, it was bearable. Her agitating had brought out a stubborn streak in the colonists. If only he could talk freely with her, but the words wouldn't come out. Leaving? He mimed. Oh, Jerem, I'm leaving the safety of the colony. I'm heading out alone to study them and their natural habitat. If I don't make it back, just know that I love you. And she kissed him. So unexpected was it that his head hit the wall behind him. Off balance he clutched at her, his hands finding purchase on soft curves. It was too much, her warmth, the pressure of her body leaning into his, and the flowery scent of her loose hair. The overwhelming sensations damned him to motionlessness. Fear kept him from responding, lest he turned a moment. He was still reeling when her teary, Goodbye, Jerome," reached him and then she was gone. By the time he staggered through the door after her, the black flyer was a speck above the trees. Without earplugs, he felt challenged by the suddenly alien mimers. Watch out! Watch out. Be careful, Jerem. Oh shit! Who are you? Why are you doing this? Jerem climbed into his flyer. It didn't have the speed or the range to follow her. He feverishly fiddled with the controls. She didn't respond to the visual radio. Of all the future paths he'd imagined their lives taking, none included her disappearing alone into the unexplored wilds. Fearing for her life, he raised the flyer to the roofline of his cabin. With a heart-pounding leap, he was standing, balancing on the apex. There was only one way to save her. For Fenella. For posterity. Gathering all his courage, Jerem shouted from the rooftop, Fenella, I love you! I love you. 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 I love you.
0: And that was our story. Hope you enjoyed. I love you. Those words can be so hard to say for some, and so easy to say for others. Reminder, one more week to go in the Drabblecast People's Choice Awards. Hit up forums.drabblecast.org or the Drabblecast Facebook page to vote for your favorite story, art cover, and Drabble of 2012 from the finalists in the last round listed there. The winner receives the Drabblecast Sacred Chalice of Glory and will be super appreciative of your support, I'm sure. You've got till March 25th. Alright, moving on to our 100-character story winner this week. First-time winner, Horst Ragnarok, with this one here. His crime was subject to the jurisdiction of Poseidon. As is tradition, he chose the means of punishment. Firing squid. You see what he did there? Ah, I love 100 character stories, and I'm not afraid to say it. Try writing one yourself. Post it in our discussion forums in the TwitFix section. You might be next week's winner. Follow us on Twitter, at TheTravelCast. All right, folks, that's our show. Remember, the TheTravelCast is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means don't change, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Special thanks to our kick-ass episode artist this week, Kelly McAveney. Kelly's an artist and Excel monkey living in Berkeley, California. Check out her blog at randommarks.jux.com. Our program is brought to you this week by Nikki Drayden, managing editor, Nathan Lee, our submissions editor, and our art director, Bo Kyer, with additional help from Tom Baker, David Carvin, and David Steffen. Until next week, folks, this is Norm Sherman reminding you. The evening saunters to closing. The waitress turns chairs upside down. Piano player picks up his tip jar and drink, and the bartender shouts, "Last round!" An hour ago, this place was loaded. A noise filled the room like the smoke. And laughter and curses spilled like booze from a glass. Words were all slurred when it spoke. Yes, words were all slurred when.